Nori, is there a way to fix that buzz? Do you hear it? Do I need to, do I need to unplug something in here or is it? All right. Uh, well, we'll do with the buzz for a minute until we get it sorted. Wanted to ask this week, uh, how did you guys do with the calendar? Praying, asking God to look at your life, your week, and priorities. How did that go last week? How did it go with that conversation with God? For those of you who remember, uh, this came out of a series that we started uh, last week as we started talking about uh, building God's kingdom, about being all in. And this came out of uh, a couple of sermons ago as we were listening to First Peter as he is talking to the church, encouraging the church, um, reminding us that he's equating Jesus with a living stone, like a cornerstone of a, of a temple. And how, because Jesus is this living stone, that we too are living stones, and that we are actually being built up into a spiritual house. And so I, that image captured my imagination. I began thinking about us, and we were talking about it in terms of how we belong. We belong to this place. And that is becoming more and more precious. Belonging. Belonging somewhere. Realizing that because of Jesus, you belong here. Well, I've been thinking some about that, about belonging and what that means for us. What does it really mean to belong? What does it mean to belong here? How does that affect us? What does that look like in our lives? And I began thinking, and as I was praying, I was led to the book of Haggai, which are a real short book, two chapters of collections of prophecies or prophetic words that were given to Haggai from God that he gave to the people who had just returned back from Israel. And they were getting this word from God to rebuild the temple, the temple that had been destroyed. And as I'm thinking about it this week, especially in this morning in light of Pentecost, the day that the church, in, in, in all intents and purposes, the day the church was born, that we would again see revival in our community, not just here among us in this room, but also the community around us, that there would be an outpouring of God's spirit. And so last week we were in the book of Haggai, the first chapter, and came away with this word to look at our priorities, to ask God to look at how, our, how we were living our lives, to consider our lives, and to set the circus down, to look at our lives and look at all the busyness and all the things that distract us and look for ways to set our circus down, all the things that, that overwhelm us. So for those of you who were here last week, uh, I wonder if maybe last week was a bit challenging because I know many of you, and me included, we're busy, really busy. And so it's challenging when I hear God say, you know, Jace, I think you're a little bit too busy, and you need to look at your priorities and make sure they line up with what I want you doing in your life. So last week was challenging for me. So as I looked at my calendar for the week and began praying, Lord, please guide me. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be where you are and where you want me. So on Monday, I was doing all right. Looked at my calendar, praying, God, guide me, and I was doing all right. By Thursday, it was a mess. (laughs) I was all over the place. So I still have lots of work to do in terms of following God's priorities. But it's interesting because I got a couple uh, couple people called me, a couple people emailed me, uh, asking about the sermon last week. And if I could kind of gather them all together or group them together, sort of ask, you know, what, what do we do with this, Jason? 
You know, we hear this challenging word from God about the busyness in our lives, about God's priorities, God's desire for the community around us. What do we do with this? I think maybe last week, last Sunday, we left with, or some of us, left with more questions than answers, more convicted than comforted. And so we're asking this question, okay, Lord, we hear you. We hear you saying build, work on this spiritual house, this, this group of people, these people gathered around you, build this house. But how do we do that? And Lord, what does your word say about it? Where can we find help in your word? And I imagine some of you went home uh, last week and you, you started looking at your week and the Holy Spirit was saying, well done. Like you, got this, you have this great balance of your life and your work, of your own ministry in our community, of being involved in the church. Like, well done. I suspect some of you went home last week and maybe you were thinking like, you're maybe actually hearing the Holy Spirit say to you, you know, you're actually a little bit over-involved. You're actually going to burn out with all the stuff that you're involved in doing. I suspect some of you heard last week and you were just encouraged to hear some teaching on what does it look like to belong to a church. I mean, being a part of a church is still really new for you. And so just to hear someone say what it looks like to belong is helpful. And I suspect some of you went home last week. Actually, I know some of you went home last week because I heard. Um, You went home last week and you were convicted. Convicted at the busyness in your life and how your priorities weren't lining up well with God's priorities. Or to put it another way, your priorities, God was, rather than being at the top, it's more in the middle somewhere, if you had time. And so last week was convicting. But I hear us this last week in the conversations I've had and praying as a church asking, okay, God, so we've set our circus down, but what do we do about it? How does this work out? And so thankfully, uh, I'm grateful for this, I hear the word of God continuing to speak through the word or through the, uh, through the prophecies of Haggai through the words of Haggai. God has continued to speak to us as a church. And I love that because the Bible isn't just some old book, some dusty old book that you set on a shelf. It actually continues to be the living word of God. That God continues to speak to us. You see, Haggai wrote these words, or he spoke these words 2,500 years ago. 500 years before Jesus. God gave these words to him to give to the people of God. And yet today, This morning, for us, this church, these words are still meaningful. They still help and they still guide us. That's encouraging for me. All right. So, like I said, the first part of Haggai, chapter 1, is the convicting part. That's the part where God grabs us by the face and he says, you're too busy with all your stuff and you're leaving my house undone. I hear God last week challenging us with our misprioritized lives. So if last week was the challenging part, this week is the clear direction. God teaches what it will look like. For those of you asking, you know, what do we do now? Listen to this. So if you want to, open up your Bibles to Haggai, which is in the Minor Prophets. Or if, uh, if it's easier to, uh, in your bulletins, it's just written right here. So, in the first part, chapter 1, Haggai is calling the people, the God, is, God is speaking to uh, this remnant who had returned from exile to, build, to rebuild the temple. 
And so they've started rebuilding, and this is the, the next uh, word that Haggai receives, the, the later month, or the next month after that. It says, On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and the desires and the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares God, the Lord Almighty. The glory of, his, of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Let's pray that we would hear God's word for us this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, we pray uh, for your word to continue to speak to us. We ask for your blessing and for your guidance, or that we would live this word out in our lives. We pray this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> so, we are getting right to the heart of this, right to the heart of this passage. So the Lord speaks to Haggai, and he says, and he says tell the people this. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Be strong. Now this is a command. This is not uh, wishful thinking. This is not God saying, you know, if you think about it or if you have some extra time, be strong. This is God commanding, saying, be strong. Because it was difficult work rebuilding this temple. See, the, if you were... Um, the temple had been in ruins for over 70 years. It was completely destroyed when the people were taken out of Jerusalem, out of Judah. They were exiled to Babylon. And so when, they, when, the, when the Babylonian army did that, they completely destroyed the temple, took all, anything that was valuable, they took it back with them to Babylon. So the temple is laying in rubble, giant marble stones strewn all over the place. Well, when the first people came back, they started trying to rebuild it. And so that went on for about 20 years. So you've got 70 years, over 70 years of ruins and rubble, and then you've got another 20 years of start and stop construction. You can imagine what a mess it was, how difficult it would be to gather momentum and to start again. Not only that, but the month that we were talking about, when Haggai said these words to the people of God, is around the month of October. It would have been the new moon. And so this, the first new moon of that month, would have been the Feast of Trumpets, a festival for the Jewish people where nobody would work and everyone would celebrate what God had done. Not only that, but you have four uh, Shabbat or Sabbath days where no one worked. And in that month was actually one of the, the highest holy days, was the Day of Atonement on the 10th uh, day of that month. So the, the Day of Atonement was uh, the day when all of Israel would stop their work and they would ask God for forgiveness in their lives. They would repent for the things that they had done the previous year. So you've got that day off as well. And then five days later, it's the, the Feast of Booths or the Feast of Tabernacles when the people would stop their work 
And then for the next seven days, the next week, they would live in huts to commemorate the time that they lived in the wilderness with Yahweh. So you can see this month was filled with holidays and lots of days off, lots of rest when no one was building any temple. It would be like trying to start a major cathedral project in our culture in December, in Christmas. So you can see why God is saying, don't give up, (laughs) be strong, keep going. The thing is, because we need to stay strong because the work is hard. And we see that in our own lives. It's hard when you're trying to rebuild a temple with marble stones, giant blocks that you're trying to build into a temple for God. But it's even harder when we're talking about living stones, people's lives that you're trying to build into a people of God. It's hard. And serving God is hard work. I mean, think about all the sacrifice, all the time it takes, all the preparation it takes. And that's just for the nursery let alone all the other stuff that we have to do. What about the time we spend out in our community, caring for people, the hours we spend listening and helping, encouraging in faith? Sometimes it's wonderful. Sometimes you go to bless someone and it's amazing. You see God open their eyes. You see amazing things happen. You see healing come to them. Sometimes it's wonderful. But sometimes it's really difficult, too. Sometimes it's you go to help or to listen, and the situation is a hot mess. It is overwhelming. It's frustrating. It's thankless. I hear God saying, be strong. When the work is hard, be strong. But I also hear God saying, be strong, because sometimes the work is thankless. Sometimes you go to bless someone, you go to help them, you show up and you help and they are grateful. It's even the tiniest little thing, just a couple minutes of your time. Oh, thank you so much. I don't know what I would have done without you. That happens sometimes. Sometimes you go to help and it's hours and hours and work and it's hard. And nobody says thank you. Or at the end, when you're thinking they're about ready to say thanks for coming to help me, they say, oh, by the way, Could you help me with this tomorrow? There's just no thanks. And sometimes we blow it even in the church, even when we're supposed to understand this and get this right, we blow it even in our church family. I mean, I know I've talked with some of you about the times when you've served, when you've done something, whether you've cleaned something, only to have someone come up later and say you've missed a spot. Or you've worked in the church and you've painted something, only to have someone ask you, why did you choose that color? Or you work hours and hours on something and nobody says a word. Nobody even notices. Sometimes we blow it. And so this is a whole other sermon in itself. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach it. (laughs) But for us as a church to be mindful, to watch out, to say thank you to one another, to be grateful for each other and to watch when each other is serving, to encourage each other. So I hear God saying, be strong. Be strong when there is no applause, when no one says thank you, when no one even recognizes it. Be strong. I also hear God saying, be strong. Be strong because sometimes the fruit is slow in coming. And I have to be honest, this is the hardest one for me. I can handle working hard. I can even handle receiving no thanks. 
you know, storing treasures up in heaven. Awesome. I can handle that. But the one that's hardest for me is when the fruit is slow in coming. When we work and we work and we sacrifice and we sacrifice and it just seems like nothing is happening. I hear God saying, be strong. As I was thinking about this, I was thinking about the, the parable that Jesus speaks in Mark chapter 4, verse 26. It's the parable of the growing seed. Some of you know it. It's where Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like this. A man went out and planted seeds. And whether he was asleep or got up, whether it was night or day, the seed grew all by itself. And it's a story about how God provides, how we have a role to play, but ultimately we're relying on God. I've got to tell you, man, if I could write that story, it'd be totally different. It'd be a mess, but it'd be totally different. I'd go out and plant the seed, and then I'd fertilize and water and prep the soil, pH balance. I'd fertilize again just in case the first time it didn't take. I'd watch it with a clock. Lord, where's the fruit? This is the hardest part for me. And so I hear God saying, and I need this word of God, be strong when the fruit is slow in coming. I need that. Because I want to see revival in this community. I want to see people around us. I want to see their lives changed. I want to see our friends around us who are alone and bitter about it. I want to see them brought into community, into this community, and cared for, and their lives be filled with joy. I want the people in our community who are addicted, I want to see them set free. I want to see their lives set free and them living again, realizing how good Jesus is. For the people who live in our community, who seem like they have it all figured out, yet they're just kind of aimlessly going through life, and they wonder, like, kind of, what is this all about? What am I even here for? I want them to find purpose, hope, meaning here in Jesus. I want to see revival in our community. And so I need these words to be strong when the fruit is slow in coming. The thing is, Jesus doesn't stop, or sorry, not so Jesus, but the Lord doesn't stop there. He says, be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. Be strong and work. Again, this is a command. This is not, you know, if you, if you have some extra time or, you know, if you feel like it. This is be strong and work. And the work is connected to the strength. So when God is saying be strong because the work is hard, keep working. When God says be strong because the work is thankless, keep working. When God is saying be strong because the fruit is slow and coming, keep working. But I want to point out something here that God says, he says, be strong and work which is different than saying, be strong and succeed. Okay, he doesn't say that. God says, be strong and work. Be strong and work faithfully. Made me think of this famous quote from Mother Teresa. She said, God has not called us to, to success, but to faithfulness. God has not called us to, to do something and succeed. He's called us to be faithful. I hear the same thing here this morning. God is calling us to work faithfully, but he's not calling us to succeed on our own merit. And hopefully that lets you all, or lets the pressure off a bit. Because sometimes we can think the other way. 
that's all about success. I have to succeed. That's not what God is saying here. He's saying you have to be faithful and keep working. It reminds us that we hold this goal of God's kingdom with an open hand. Not with a clenched fist, but with an open hand. God, this is what I desire to see happen. And I pray that you'd work in that. So I'm going to keep working at it faithfully. And it's especially true when we're talking about building a spiritual house with living stones. When we're building a church that is a group of people. It takes all sorts of uh, twists and turns. And sometimes it feels like we're heading in the wrong direction. But that's just people. That's this spiritual house made of living stones. People gathered together around Jesus. We're not called to be successful. We're called to be faithful. But I also want to make this point too. It also, to point out that this doesn't say, be strong and earn. Okay, it doesn't say that. It says, be strong and work, but it doesn't say, be strong and earn. This is in no way saying that we somehow have to earn our salvation. That somehow our place with God is tied up with how hard we work for him. That's not at all what God is saying here. And see, sometimes it happens because as Christians, especially as Protestant Christians, we can get pretty uneasy when someone starts saying work or even work hard. Like, whoa, Jason, I thought we were saved by grace. Well, you're absolutely right. We are saved by grace alone, by God's grace. That doesn't mean that God can't say that we also have work to do. There is work to do in this church family. There is work to do in our community. And God is calling us to it. Not that we earn our place with him. Hear me again, I'm not saying that. God is not saying that. But that we have work to do. Be strong and work. Because if we want to see God do amazing things, it helps if we're joining in the work. Now it's true, don't get me wrong, we can see God do amazing stuff if all we do is sit and watch. And we might see God do amazing stuff. It's totally true. And it's true, we can pray and coast through the rest of our faith. Wait till we die. So we can go to heaven someday. I guess you could do that. But it kind of misses the point. Jesus called us to follow him so that our lives would be different, first of all, but also so that we would change the world. I know we've gotten to this place now where we think of, like or many people even think about the church as a place where you go to sing songs to God. In God's mind, the church is his plan A for changing this world. This is a mission group. <laughs> Granted, we gather to worship and praise God, but this is a mission group. When we're truly following Jesus, we won't want to coast. We won't want to take time off. We will want to join in the work. If we're truly following Jesus, we'll want to, to sacrifice our time, our money, our talents, anything we can to further God's kingdom. We'll want to see God's kingdom grow. I was thinking about this week of ways that we do that. In gathering for the men's breakfast. You know, it's not always easy to get here with little kids, like I bring my sons. But it's not always about me. I mean, granted, I love bacon and eggs as much as the next person. But it's not always easy. But I come for the sake of others. 
So guys, if you think, oh, I don't want to go to the men's breakfast this week, oh, it's too early, or I don't like the coffee, or whatever, it's not always about you. It's about the group that you're gathering for. Think about the same thing with Sunday school. Uh, how difficult that is. The teachers that, nobody, well, I shouldn't say nobody, but as I listen to the conversations with a few of our Sunday school teachers, none of them are talking with each other. Ooh, I can't wait to carve out another extra hour in my week with my kids hanging off of me to plan a Sunday school lesson. None of them talk like that, at least not that I've heard. It's not easy. But it's not about them. They realize that because they want our kids to grow up following Jesus. And I hear it uh, among the older group of our church too. Oh, I did my time in Sunday school. (laughs) Enjoy. It's not about you either. If we want to see our kids growing up to love and follow Jesus, we all have to support it. We have to join in. I'm talking about ladies and guys here, okay? Our kids need uh, great male or men role models just as much as they need great women teachers. Okay? So it's not about us. It's about joining in God's work and and training our kids. I was thinking about Lyft. Ladies in fellowship together, they've got an event coming in a couple weeks. I know for some people, gathering together with 100 ladies packed in this room it's like you'd rather have a root canal. <laughs> okay. Speak from experience. Next Saturday, thanks. Thank you. I know that. My wife is speaking at it. Uh, but you're thinking like, oh, it's too much. It's too, I, I just, you know, it's not always about you. Because God is doing amazing things through things like Lyft, through ministries like Lyft. God is doing amazing things through our Sunday school. God is doing amazing things through uh, our men's breakfast. But if you're not devoting time to it, you won't see the amazing things happen. We have to join in. I see this in my own life with Beyond the Bell. Beyond the Bell, for those of you who don't know, is an after-school program that uh, we started in the church. Started it two years ago. And I just thought, you know, I want to do something in our community. God was moving me to do this. I want to find some way to bless people in our community, especially young families, in ways that will actually matter to them. And what better way than to care for their kids? To care for their kids after school when they're trying to work and pay the bills. So it's hard to be on the bell, and, you know, it's, it's not always easy. I mean, where's Judy? Judy's, I don't see Judy right now. She's in the nursery. She's in the nursery, right? It's crazy. I mean, there's 20 kids. I mean, you guys are all sitting here nice and quiet. On Beyond the Bell on Tuesday, this place is a zoo, man. They're running around playing tag and trying to grab and talking to all the microphones. Like, don't touch that. <laughs> it's crazy. But then there's amazing moments. And uh, Bill and Brenda aren't here. I think they went camping this weekend. They was talking with me about it. He was here last week for Beyond the Bell. And one of the kids, when uh, Brenda, she's bending over to hand uh, one of the kids a cookie, says, one of the little kids says, you rock, Miss Brenda. Yeah. And I said, how often do you hear that? She goes, not very often. (laughs) There's great moments. You see God do amazing things. Or the conversations that I have. You know, sometimes people, sometimes parents, they wait out in the car and their kids just go and they drive away. But sometimes the parents come in and I get to talk with them about their life. And sometimes they, we end up talking about faith or I get the chance to pray with them. 
see God do amazing things, we have to join in the work. Or, like as I explained it, you probably already envisioned, you know, 20 kids running around playing tag and how crazy they're all screaming and yelling. And then when I say, okay, it's time to hear the Bible story, and they all sit down in these first two rows, some of them sit up here and they watch the screen, and we, we read from the Action Bible, and you can hear a pin drop as they hear these stories of God and his faithfulness. And I just, <laughs> I've, I've modeled it a lot, like after Marvel, after comic books. I mean, the, the Bible is actually a comic book Bible, but at the end I always write, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. And they always moan, oh, we want more. To hear kids saying, we want to hear more of the Bible. God is doing amazing things. But if we want to see God do this amazing stuff, we have to join in the work. I know it's sacrifice. I know we've got so many things that we already have to do. But if we want to see God do amazing things, we have to join in. We have to work. So this morning, I hear God speaking to us. Be strong when it's hard. Be strong and work. And here's the best part. For I am with you, declares the Lord. This is the most encouraging part. That God is with us. The God who created this whole place. The God who died for us is with us. And I believe that God desires revival in our community. He desires to pour his Holy Spirit out again on this church family and for it to flow out and fill the community around us. God desires to see revival here. And I don't know about you, but I cannot think of a better place to be, a better place in the whole world than to be with God on his mission. To see God do amazing stuff and change people's lives, I can't think of a better place to be. And it makes me think to how God is with us. And sometimes I think about God is behind us, encouraging us, holding us up, helping us. But I also remember that God is ahead of us as well, that God is already out in our community. We think, or sometimes we're tempted to think, oh, this is the kingdom of God in this little room here, and we go out and we bring it with us and we go off into these uncharted territories. That's not at all. God is already at work in our community. God is already at work, and all we're doing is going out and joining him, seeing where he's at work and joining in. God is behind us. God is ahead of us. God is with us. This is like the best part of the whole passage. God is with us just like he was uh, with the people when he brought them out of slavery in Egypt. And this is the next part. It says, this is what I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Now, if you're reading through Haggai, you could read this, and you kind of skip over this. But for the people who were hearing this first, these people who had been brought back from Babylon, from exile, they had been set free from a foreign country and able to return to their homeland. Exodus, or the story of how the, how the people of God, Israel, was brought out of Egypt, was the forming story. It was what they had built their whole identity around, and especially this group who had been exiled to a foreign land, they're able to return. And the story of God bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt, it shaped their whole community. And so for God to say that, he's saying, I am faithful. I am with you. And it's a little bit harder for us to relate to the Exodus story. We don't relate in the same way the Jewish people do. But, we have a similar Exodus story when Jesus Christ led a new Exodus out of sin. 
when he died on the cross and rose again. That is our Exodus moment. That is our defining story that shapes who we are as followers of Jesus. Through both of those stories, through the Exodus and through the cross and resurrection, I hear God saying, I am faithful. I am with you. Be strong and work because I am with you. I am right here with you. So this morning, I hear God speaking to us. I hear him saying, be strong. Be strong when it's hard. Be strong when it's thankless. Be strong when the fruit is slow in coming. Be strong and work. It's all right, work. Join God in what he's doing in our church family and in our community. Be strong and work because he is with us. We are not alone. Okay, so you're hearing this word of God and hopefully it's encouraging to you. But some of you maybe are one step ahead. You're already saying like, okay, Jason, I hear it. I hear God saying this, but now what? How do we do this? Where do we do this? Where do we get involved? See, this is the tricky part for me. Because on the one hand, I'm reluctant to spell this out because I want you to keep relying on the Holy Spirit to keep doing things. I don't want to mess up what God is already doing and already leading you into. But at the same time, I want to make sure that we take this from a sermon about ideas and we actually begin living it in our lives. I want us to take this from theory and good idea into real-life reality, that we actually live what we're hearing this morning. And so I hear this. I hear God saying, continue work. Continue your work personally in our community. I say this because God is doing all sorts of things in our community that nobody ever hears about through you. Because God knows uh, precisely what your gifts are. He knows how you're wired. He knows the needs in our community. He knows what your interests are and your hobbies and how to put those perfectly together with people who need to hear Jesus. And I don't want to mess that up. I think about the ways that this church is involved in our community. I hear the stories about the conversations you have with your neighbor. I hear the stories about the ways you go to the school and read with kids. I hear the stories of how these wonderful little acts of kindness that you do to bless your neighbors, bringing them meals when someone is sick. Or the conversations you have over a cup of coffee. Or the times when you are visiting your neighbor in hospital to bless them. I think about the times when you talk with me about sharing your tools with your neighbors and how the friendships and the bonds form with that. These are all ways of cultivating God's kingdom. These are all ways that God builds his kingdom in this community. And for those of you who are connecting with your neighbor, who are blessing your neighbor, who are encouraging them in faith the best that you can, for the love of God, please keep doing it. For those of you who are still afraid to do it or feel like you're too busy to do it, for the love of God, please start. Please start caring for your neighbors. Because God is building his kingdom all around us. If we just have the eyes to see and the faithfulness to look. All of life is kingdom building. All of life is about building God's kingdom. The only thing is, if we focus only on doing it personally ourselves, there's a couple places where we can fall. A couple places where we can get tripped up. 
One of them is when we're doing it ourselves, it can be real easy to lose motivation. I mean, that's why like you, people often encourage you to work out with a, with a partner. Because if someone doesn't feel like doing it that day, usually the other person does like, come on, let's go. It can happen the same way in our ministry if we're only doing our personal thing. Like, oh, I know I need to go help my neighbor with this. Uh, maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Trust me, I know what that's like. Oh, I need to call my friend and encourage them to let them know I'm praying for them. Maybe next week because I'm really busy. We can get off track when we're just doing everything on our own. Not only that, but I also noticed this too, is that we can equate following Jesus with just being a good neighbor. <clears throat> Don't get me wrong, I think we should be good neighbors. But rather than the goal, I think that's more like the minimum requirement. <laughs> that our goal is to be more than just a good neighbor. Because I know lots of people who don't follow Jesus who are great neighbors. So it's being a good neighbor plus. Not only that, but I can think of, it seems like, there's a lot of people who see us, you know, we're trying on purpose to be good neighbors, to honor Christ, to honor God, and to, to demonstrate Christian faithfulness in front of them. Year after year, blessing after blessing, and they never put it together. They never put it together that we are doing this, we are caring for them because of Jesus and what he's done in our life. And that's frustrating. But that's not to say we want to go to the other extreme where we start, like, broadcasting it. So in case you're wondering why I helped you move that wood pile, it's because I'm a Christian, and I thought maybe you'd want to know Jesus too. Here's my card and my number in case you want to call. Like, that would be so weird. People would be like, uh, thanks, don't call me, I'll call you. Right? But we want people to make the connection. The other thing that's, the, only, the other drawback of if we do everything individually is that things don't happen as well in the church. You know, because we get used to like lots of big institutions or companies where we go and we, we're apart, but we realize there's like a whole staff that take care of everything else and we just you know, show up and, and be a small part of it. If you're thinking about like the large staff of our church, you know, the large paid staff, you're looking at it. We have a few, I mean, Judy helps out with, uh, I mean, tons, but we have other people who volunteer. But Judy, as far as paid staff, she has a few hours a week for administration, and Craig has a few hours a week, and Trina for cleaning. We're the only paid staff, me and, and two other part-time people. So if you're thinking, like, oh, the church does all this amazing stuff, you know, we'll let the, the, the workers do it, it's not going to happen. For this church to do stuff, it depends on all of us. For this church to do amazing things in our community, it depends on all of you. All of us together doing this. That's how amazing things happen in this church. Which I think is how God always meant it to be. Not that we'd hire professionals to do it for us so we could just come on Sundays. But the church is all of us. So I hear God saying, continue your personal ministry, but also I hear God saying, serve together as a church. Because when you think about it, 
when we serve together as a church, people make the connection. It's obvious that the church is doing it because of Jesus. I was thinking about this. We can imagine if Rick and Judy, uh, they started our garden out here, our living garden. Imagine if they, rather than doing it here at the church, imagine if they just tilled up their garden, or sorry, their yard, their grass, and put the garden at their house. So, first of all, probably way fewer people would even know they did that. And if they did, they could make all sorts of conclusions that wouldn't be right. Oh, maybe Rick and Judy just like really like gardening. Or maybe they're just so good at gardening, they don't don't know what to do with their stuff, so that's why they give it away. But when the garden is here at the church, people know that the church has put the garden in because we care about our community. When they hear that we give all the food away, they know we do that not because we're, because we, I don't know, they realize we're doing it because of Jesus, because we want to bless people in our community. Same thing happens with Beyond the Bell. Because I could do Beyond the Bell probably just about as easily at the school. And they already have, down the other days of the week, they have after-school program at Redfish. I could e- just as easily do it there. And people might think, you know, Jason's, oh, maybe he's a great guy who really loves kids. Or maybe he's got a screw loose and so he loves 20 screaming kids. Like, who knows what it is? They can make all sorts of assumptions about why I do it. But because we do it here at the church, and because people, some of you are involved in that ministry, Everybody knows that we do it to bless them in the name of Jesus. Think about numerous other things that our church is involved in. Lift. People know that we have lift here, or because we have lift here at the church, people know that it's a church thing and that we do it to bless them. Kids camp. Because we have kids camp here and not just at some park, people know that the church is doing it and we're doing it because we love them, because we want to care for them, because we want to help their kids and have a great week for their kids or funerals, or Christmas hampers. The things we do together as a church, it speaks to our community. So this morning I'm saying we need to do both. We need to do the personal things, the way that God has wired us that nobody even has to know about. That's fine, continue doing that, but we also need to do together as a church. I hear God this morning encouraging us to join in the church work. So let's work. Let's be strong and let's work. Imagine this. I mean, I get so excited when I imagine or when I begin to realize that because God is with us, that we can be strong and work. Can you guys just picture it? The people from our community gathered here with us because we have blessed them because God is at work in our community. I mean, think about your friends and your neighbors sitting here with us, praising God with us, their lives transformed by Jesus. Imagine what he could do here. Imagine the amazing things we would see if we joined God in this work. It's no mistake, I mean, I didn't plan it this way, but it's no mistake that this morning is Pentecost Sunday, the day when the Holy Spirit descended on the church. This morning, I am praying again that the Holy Spirit would descend on us. The Holy Spirit would descend on us, encouraging us to be strong and to work because God is with us. And we desire to see revival. We desire to see his kingdom grow here in this place. I get excited when I think about that.
I want that for this place. I want that for our community. So let's work. Amen. We have just a minute.